Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. This is my 20th episode of All Things, and I just want to thank all of you for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a rating and a review at iTunes. I would so appreciate it. You probably know by now that about President Trump's tweets from last Sunday. The tweets were directed at four freshman congresswomen of color, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib. The tweet was in response to the four women's strong criticism of U.S. immigration policy, as well as a number of other areas where they are dissatisfied with the state of the nation and our leaders. In this episode of All Things, we're going to discuss the tweets and especially how Christians might view them through a Christian lens. I will not be engaging with the content of the Congresswoman's criticisms, nor am I in any way defending those women. In fact, I disagree sharply with them on many things. But what I want to focus on in this episode of All Things is the content of those tweets. Here's what President Trump tweeted to those four women. He said, they should go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came. You can't leave fast enough, he said. While three out of the four women were born here in the United States, and one is a naturalized citizen. In essence, over Twitter, our president told congresswomen to go back where they came from. I want to talk first about the history of the statement, go back to where you came from. The instant that I heard the president's tweets, I knew those words would inflict a lot of pain on even my personal friends. I have heard stories over the years from my friends of color Um, as they've told me about being told to go back where they came from, um, from passing cars or on the playground or those words harshly whispered to them in restaurants. The phrase go back to where you came from is likely heard by most children of color who find themselves to be in the minority in any given context at some point in their lives in our diverse nation. So after the president tweeted that, thousands of people took to social media and wrote even into newspapers' websites to share the painful recollections of when they were first told to go back where they came from. An article I will share in the notes for this episode from the New York Times says the president's words reflected a love it or leave it sentiment that experts say has animated a sense of xenophobia since the dawn of the republic. According to that article, this is something that has been said in our land since as early as the 1600s when there were disagreements among the earliest settlers on our eastern shores. In the late 1700s, laws were passed to send people back to where they came from if they were deemed dangerous or if they had disagreed with the new federal government. Of course, freed slaves heard it in the 1800s, and not surprisingly, many of them wanted to go back where they came from, and some did, as they didn't arrive here on their own accord in the first place. The phrase has been invoked at different times over the last couple hundred years to limit the number of immigrants from specific countries as well. So in short, both the history and the current connotation of the phrase is racist and xenophobic. It's a proud statement. It's one that says, hey, I belong here, or my people group belongs here. This is our space. We earned it. We deserve it. And you're different. And we don't like the way you look or the way you think or the way you behave. So get out. Remember, this phrase is most often thrown around in passing in public against people who don't even know one another. All they can see is the color of their skin. It's rooted in ethnocentrism and nationalism. And it's a shameful thing to say any American should not be saying it, much less the president of the United States. And I know I talked about this in my recent episode on the crisis at the border, but I would just want to say again, you and I who were born here did nothing to deserve our American citizenship. It is only the providence of God that allowed you and me to be born in the USA, to be 
be born to certain families, to be born with a certain skin color, even into a certain socioeconomic status that allowed us a healthy lifestyle and education, college, the social network that has allowed us to get good jobs. None of us are self-made. None of us can claim credit for the time and place and skin color and socio socioeconomic status into which we were born. So as people who are born in the United States, it is misguided to insinuate to others that they should somehow appreciate us or be grateful for us or go back. We cannot take credit for God ordaining that you and I were born on American soil. America, our nation was birthed by exiles. I was just in New York City. I was just at the Statue of Liberty. I was on Ellis Island. I read, it took hours to read all of the accounts of various immigrants who came through Ellis Island. We are a nation based on people who fled their homeland to forge a new way of life. The only population that can claim any right to the soil you and I live on is Native Americans who were genuinely here first. The rest of us came from somewhere and our African and mother American brothers and sisters are here because their ancestors were kidnapped and brought here against their will. So again, the U.S. is a nation built on immigration, built on people who've come from somewhere. It's naive, it's unkind, it's ignorant, it's racist to tell anyone to go back where they came from. And in these days that are deeply divisive in our nation, this statement is really not helpful. We're in a time in our history where any disagreement just leads to the demonizing of the other side. We are currently in a, a habit, in a political condition where whenever we have a disagreement with the, with the other side, we mischaracterize them, we demonize them. Um, this is an age where we are just unwilling to negotiate or listen or to validate in the, way, the ways we agree with those on the other side of the aisle. But in this age, especially with the presidential, presidential election happening next year, we need to be moving towards one another, not further away from one another. Rather than saying, go back to where you came from, good Americans should be saying, no, come near, come to the table. Let's sit down together and talk about this. Let's move towards one another, not banish one another. Let's make progress. Saying, go back to where you came from incites division. It's what led to a crowd in North Carolina chanting, send her back just a couple days ago. The phrase is divisive in our communities. It tears apart the fabric of our vibrant and diverse neighborhoods. It pits us against one another. It drives a deeper wedge and it's going to make the next year increasingly volatile or more divided or maybe even more hateful and violent. So not only is the saying, go back where you came from, bad for Americans, it's something that Americans should not be saying to one another. It's bad for Christians. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we cannot engage in this kind of rhetoric. First of all, you and I must acknowledge that in our fallen nature, in our sin, we have this inward drive to justify ourselves. We have this drive to just think that we are somehow inherently better than other people. This is a, um, a thought war that happens in our brains every day, whether we're comparing ourselves as moms or as parents or in our career field or in our school or our churches or whatever. We do have this voice in our head that tends to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them, or at least I'm you know, not in that condition. We want to self-justify all the time. But we who follow Jesus, Jesus who is and was far better than all of us, he is the perfect, sinless God-man. He left heaven. He came to the sin-ridden earth to rescue and redeem the very people who sought his murder. While we were his enemies, while we were children of wrath, while we lived in the domain of darkness, while we were dead in our trespasses, Christ came, as Galatians says, for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. So we have a God and Savior who laid it all down for us, his enemies. He walked in great humility. He lived and died and rose again for a people who rebelled against him daily. And in our flesh, we continue to rebel against him. And he draws near to us. 
He gently rebukes us. He sanctifies us. He makes us more like him. We have a great and mighty King who humbled himself for us. And we are called to walk in the same manner, a manner worthy of the gospel. So we Christians don't get to be proud. We don't get to be proud of our nationality or our skin color or our socioeconomic status. Scripture says, be like Jesus in humility, consider others better than yourselves. So let's remember Our God is a creative God. He is the author and maker of all skin colors. The psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and all the people therein. God knit together every person that you see on the planet. All shades of skin, all colors of hair and eyes, all types of people resemble our maker. People are precious, sacred, knit together by the creator of the universe. As Christians, you and I cannot be quick to cast them away. We cannot, as James says with one mouth, bless our God and also curse our neighbors. Finally, friends, may you and I remember that we are citizens of heaven first and America is a distant second. Our citizenship is in heaven, as Philippians says. We are called to follow Christ, not a political party, not a political leader. Our allegiance is to our Lord God. So when our political party or when our political leader ceases to fight for that which is godly, when they fight for that which goes against scripture, you and I must stop following him or her. We must step away. We cannot be a house divided. It's not okay to claim Christ one minute and dehumanize people the next. My hope is that we would remember that in the coming year. We're going into a contentious election season. It is tempting for us humans, Christians, to put our hope in the government, in the president, in the Supreme Court, in the laws of the land. And it is indeed important for you and me to be involved in civics and in politics. To be a Christian is not to be apolitical, but to be a good citizen and to be a is to do that in a distinctly Christian way. That means that people know we are Christians before they know who we are voting for, because our words and our actions are unmistakably Christ-like. So absolutely, in the next year, be political. Be involved in elections. Be involved in lawmaking in your area. Do be involved in civics. But fight for goodness and justice and mercy and do it in a distinctly Christian way. Represent Jesus more than anything or anyone else. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I look forward to chatting with you next week.